May all grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, and the risen Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gospel lesson from John chapter 20 serves as the basis for our sermon this morning. Years ago, there was an English evangelist named uh, Leonard Ravenhill who told a story about a group of sightseers who went to visit a very picturesque village in Europe. And as they were out gallivanting around town, taking in the sights and whatnot, they came across a a rather elderly man who was leaning up against a fence post. And one of the sightseers seeing this decided to have a little fun with him and asked in a rather patronizing tone to this old man, were there any great men born in this town? And the old man looked back at him and said, nope, just babies. I love that response because it was a rather patronizing question that led to a very sobering truth. There are no instant heroes born in this world or in the kingdom of God, aside from Christ, that is. Great faith is achieved through maturity. And great faith comes through experience led by the Holy Spirit out in the world. And you know, our faith growth and our maturity, though, sometimes is limited by our very own attitudes. And here's what I mean by this. When I was growing up, I often heard my father say, and you probably have heard this saying, can't never did, and won't never will. I remember the first time I was standing on my uncle's dock, jumping in the lake up in Arkansas for the first time. Even though my uncle and my father were in the water, I stood there and I backed away. I ran the opposite direction. I I can't do this. My dad would always say, can't never did. And then I got into high school and I had to speak to a group of people and, oh, forget, forget that. That wouldn't happen, right? Knees were shaking, palms were sweating, and I said, I can't do this. And my teacher said, can't never did. And, you know, that was my defense mechanism. I can't. And it was using my fear that prevented me, that limited me from doing those things. And that's what happens to our faith. Our belief can be like that as well. I won't see it unless I, I won't believe it unless I see it. I can't evangelize because I'm afraid of the reaction of other people. I can't share my faith because I'm afraid of being rejected. And before you know it, that kind of attitude, we become locked in the upper room just like the disciples. Here we are a week after Easter, and it's always the weekend after Easter where this day is known as Doubting Thomas Sunday. He starts rearing up and appearing in our gospel lessons But this gospel portion today is so much more than Thomas. If we dig deeper into it, we'll find out that Thomas isn't the only one that has faith issues. This gospel account raises some questions that I want to pose to you this morning. Did the disciples achieve or complete perfectly their faith following the, the resurrection of Jesus? Does this gospel account only apply to the disciples in our lesson today? How do we relate to them? What does Jesus expect of his later followers? You know, it's after the resurrection, Jesus makes several appearances. Who's the first one he appears to? Mary Magdalene, right? And then he goes and he appears to the disciples in the upper room, minus Thomas. And then he comes back again, and this time with Thomas present, he appears to the disciples again. Now, the first time Jesus appears to them in the upper room without Thomas there, that says they were behind locked doors. And they proclaimed just as Mary does. We have seen the Lord. 
And now Jesus appears to the disciples again, this time with doubting Thomas present. And guess what it says? They're still behind locked doors. Notice now, notice they have, they have seen Jesus. They've seen his hands and his side. They've had the Holy Spirit breathed on them, and they are still behind locked doors. They even proclaim, we have seen the Lord. Yet, their actions don't seem to match up with their proclamations. We find that the disciples are not presented as perfect or complete believers, even after the resurrection of Jesus. And doubting Thomas's proclamation after seeing Jesus and putting his finger in the nail holes and, and in his pierced side is very important. I mean, he says, my Lord and my God, but his proclamation doesn't mean that he's complete in the faith either. What does Jesus say to Thomas? Have you believed because you see me? Blessed are those who have believed who have not seen and have believed. And you know what? That statement is true of not one of the disciples. They are still striving towards belief in Jesus. And they follow a a similar pattern. If you go to John chapter 21, and when they're out fishing, they don't recognize Jesus, but they come to understand who He is, and then they have a question in their minds that they dare not even ask, even though they know the answer to it. John 21, 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. This is a continuing thing. They, they, they don't recognize him at first. Then they come to understand him, and then, then it all appears. And the point is this. The disciples' faith and belief is one that constantly reaches for, but never really quite achieves complete understanding of Jesus. Faith undergoes maturity. There are no instant heroes born in this world or in the kingdom of God aside from Jesus. So in that manner, we relate to the disciples. But wait a minute. These are the disciples. These are the ones who have seen Jesus. The one he's breathed the Holy Spirit out on. The one that Jesus tells, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And yet, they have faith issues? Are these disciples a limited number of people? Is, it, is what Jesus done to them, is that just limited to a group of 12? Are they the only ones commissioned by Jesus? Are they raised above a status of an average believer because Jesus appeared and breathed the Holy Spirit on them? You know, on the surface, it might appear that way. They certainly seem to have a unique calling which would make them appear to to be raised above the status of an average believer. But as we see, even their faith is continually wavering back and forth between belief and and unbelief. You know, if they were the only ones commissioned by Jesus, then all that they do in Jesus' absence and all that they've been called to do would have been buried with them. If they were the only disciples ever called by Jesus, then, then the church might have died. Ministry might have gone away if it was just limited to them. So it it might be helpful to think of the disciples rather than as a limited number as more of a broader group of people. might be helpful to understand the disciples as the early church. might be helpful to understand the disciples as sinners, just like you and I, ones who have incomplete faith, ones who still struggle in the faith. might also be helpful to think of the disciples in this manner. They were seemingly given more than they were capable of handling on their own. But the disciples would go on 
to have moments of spiritual clarity. They would go on to do things in Jesus' name and stepping out on faith. And it was in those moments that they reveal the resurrection hope. And here we are, a week after Easter, and I suspect that there are still many of us today who are locked in the upper room with the disciples. And we just gave our Easter proclamations last week. He is risen, He is risen indeed, hallelujah. But I, I, I question this, are our actions matching up with our proclamations? While our proclamations point to higher things, we still struggle with our faith. Perhaps you're there. I know I am from time to time. I'm locked behind closed doors, afraid to share my faith, afraid of the reactions of others. And there are many ways that we falter in our faith and doubt God. Maybe it's wondering what the reactions of, of our, our own family members are going to be. Maybe it's, it's, it's you know, standing up in, in a moral truth. Or putting God first and having to tell your son's baseball coach that he's not going to be there anymore. You know, it just, there's many ways that we doubt. And, and you know what? Maybe it's sometimes we're out there with our friends and they're doing the wrong thing and, and we go silent. Or we fall right in line rather than, than tell them that what they're doing is wrong. Those are ways that we, that we fear standing in the Lord's Word and that we fear the reactions of others. And that limits us. It locks us up in the upper room. And you know what happens when that happens? It stunts the growth of our faith. Our faith doesn't have a chance to mature. It reminds me of a story of a guy I heard of that was diving for exotic fish to give to the pet stores. And he told me one of the most popular fish that he would die for were, were small sharks. And he said that, you know, if you put a small shark in an aquarium, it would only reach a size proportionate to its surroundings. He said, but if you took that shark out of the aquarium and released it back into the ocean, it would, it would grow. It would eventually grow back to its natural size of 8 to 10 feet. You know, I've seen a, a lot of cute little 8-inch Christians swimming around in, in, in fish bowls throughout my life. I certainly have been one of those. But it's only when you release them outside the fishbowl into the greater ocean of life, into a greater arena, where a Christian can grow. Where faith grows and becomes great. Because that's where God's at work. We not only can relate to the disciples in, in terms of faith growth, but also in terms of our callings. We've been given unique callings as Christians, called to continue the ministry of Jesus. We've been given the Holy Spirit, just as the disciples have. And we're not a chosen few, but we are a chosen people. We're not perfected in our faith, but our faith constantly strives towards perfection. And we find ourselves locked from time to time in the upper room. But remember, there are no instant heroes born in this world or in the kingdom of God aside from Jesus. Now think of Jesus. Jesus finds himself locked up in a cold, dark tomb. Not because he's afraid, but because of the very people who killed him were afraid of Jesus. But Jesus breaks out of that empty tomb and he breaks into the reality of our lives. He's broken the bondage of sin that, that, that has kept us from God. And in our baptisms, just like the disciples, he's breathed the Holy Spirit upon us. And he's called us into the ministry. So what's keeping us locked up in the upper room today? What are we afraid of? 
Why are we so afraid at times to step out and share our faith with others? We need to break that bond. We need to unlock those doors and step out into the world. Because by unlocking the doors and stepping out in faith into the world, confident, knowing that Jesus has promised us He will never leave us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We can step out, and then our faith can grow. It's only out in the the world where our faith will come continue to strive towards perfection in Jesus. It's only out in the world that God does His work. Not just in the limitedness of our lives. And we can attempt to lock those doors, but Jesus will continue to pursue us. He'll show up right where we are. He'll lay our fears. And He calls us to be together. To be together. He invites us to strengthen ourselves in His Word. To gird ourselves and prepare ourselves for life outside the walls of the church. That's where our growth is going to happen. And you know, when we get out there, we too will have moments of spiritual clarity. But it's God doing the work through us. So let's unlock those doors and step out in faith together. God's leading the way. God won't leave us alone. Out doing God's work is where our faith will mature and become great. That's the God we have one who breaks through the chains. So fling the doors open, my friends, and let's go let our actions match our proclamations because he is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. And to God be all the glory. Amen.